Hello and welcome to Ascend Higher, the podcast of True Freedom Trust. My name is Stuart Parker and I'm the director of this UK-based charity. We hold to the historic Christian understanding of what the Bible teaches about sex and relationships. And we offer teaching, pastoral support groups and conferences. This podcast is connected to our quarterly Ascend magazine, which includes a range of articles, reviews and personal stories, all dealing with what it's like to be a Christian attracted to others of the same sex. For the autumn edition of Ascend Hire, I was in conversation with Ed Shaw. He's the director of Living Out, the minister at a church in Bristol, and very involved in helping Church of England leaders navigate their way through their differences with one another on matters of biblical sexuality. I was asking Ed what advice he would give to someone considering whether to stay in their church or denomination once the leadership has departed to some extent from orthodox teaching. Let's listen in. Great. Well, thanks very much, Ed, for joining us on Ascend Higher today. Um, We're going to be looking at this question about what would happen if someone's considering leaving their church or denomination because the leadership's departed from orthodox teaching. So quite a big question. And I wondered if you had any sort of thoughts about the question before we kind of launch into it. Well, I guess probably the first thing to say is that it's it's a live question, isn't it, for mm. a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm part of a mainstream denomination, the Church of England, that is in the process of walking away from orthodoxy. So it seems on the whole area of same-sex uh, sexual relationships. So this is a, this is, you know, it's not a sort of, it's not a sort of question we're asking, thinking this might happen in, you know, 10, 20 years time. This is happening. This is a live question for some of us right now in our denomination or for some of us in our local church. And it's a really painful question because, um, you know, church, my local church is my family. And the thought of walking away from your family should be a, well, should be one of those thoughts that you don't ever really have or have to have because you stay with family, you don't walk away. So, you know, this is, it's just a big question, particularly in the local ch- contact, church context, but also just even with the denomination. Um, you know, I'm a Church of England um, person. I'm the third generation of my family to work in a Church of England church. I was baptised. I've been confirmed. I, you know, I'm Church of England for deep theological convictions, but just also because it's been the tradition I've grown up with and it's been the place where I felt at home in. You know, when I was a child, I went to Church of England churches. When I first chose what sort of church I wanted to go to at university, I went for a Church of England church. I've given the last 25 years of my life to serving Church of England churches. So, you know, it means a lot. And the thought of even asking this question um, is a very painful one. And I think it's probably just worth acknowledging that. Yes, it's not a question that we ask lightly. It's yeah. it's a painful question to even consider, isn't it? I suppose, because we're it's right that we're committed to our churches, that we're involved, that we've built a depth of relationship, and that even to consider moving away from that, it would be difficult. I mean, I think it's it's a normal experience, isn't it, of a churchgoer to think the church that I go to is not the perfect church. There are things in my church that I'm that I wouldn't do if I was, you know, if I was the leader there or things that are niggles about the style of worship or the balance of teaching. And that's normal, isn't it? There's no, there's no such thing as the perfect church. And what we're not, we're not looking at here is just, oh, you know, there's a few things that irritate me about church. Therefore I'm off 
and we kind of i think it's probably helpful to recognize that in our western society that consumerist mindset we almost need to resist the well i'm not perfectly happy with my church idea therefore i'm gonna go shopping for a new church this should be a painful matter and not one that we should consider lightly yeah and then, you know as a church pastor um you know i've been on the receiving end of the consumerist mentality of people just say well there's something that something quite small that you don't do quite right therefore i'm going to move on all people coming to us and you think you've moved you've moved on from your last church for a really small inconsequential reason and that really worries me i think christian maturity one of the signs of christian maturity is people who are really committed to a local church family and are committed to a local church family through the ups and downs of church family life and to recognize that yeah, actually there is no perfect church and actually if you go to a church which you are completely happy with that which actually should be an alarm bell moment because part of being in a family is having parts of family life that you actually find difficult and that you wouldn't personally choose yourself but you go with because you know that it's good for another member of the family another member of the body to pick up Paul's language so yeah uh, yeah it's just it is worth isn't it saying that there are there are people out there who move too quickly at the drop of a hat over the smallest things and actually leaving the decision to leave a local church decision to leave a denomination should be a really big one and if you've got into the habit of doing it that's an alarm bell moment but you know it is something that we sadly some of us are going to have to think about because of what's happening in a lot of local churches denominations in the uk today Mm, mm, that's helpful and there can even be you know within one church fellowship there can be theological differences over secondary matters and the bible gives accommodation for that doesn't it in places like romans 14 there's people see things differently but if it's not a salvation matter not a primary matter then just be gracious with one another try not to um you know do something to to be unhelpful to your brother or sister and live with them and like you say that's part of one of each of us sharpening each other and rubbing off our our rough edges and that sort of thing and and learning to live with differences that that don't sort of amount to false teaching is is part and parcel of church fellowship yeah i disagree with probably about half my church on baptism uh about half my church on women preaching and we all know that we disagree and somebody came up to me last night thinking about considering baptizing um you know their newborn baby and they said they wanted to think about the pros and cons or the different views and i was able to immediately say right speak to this guy if you want to hear the case for adult baptism and speak to oh the person standing the other side to me if you want to hear the case for baptizing infants you know just with it i mean I, you know i could reach out and touch people on you take very different perspectives in my church family but we united around the core things and recognizing that disagreements over baptism disagreements over um you know women preaching are are are, are secondary issues that we don't consider to be of a unity breaking first importance mm, and probably good actually to have those areas that we can agree to disagree well on that aren't those foundational principles and we can practice within our fellowships being gracious and listening to different points of view and yeah and, and living and one have, alongside one another yeah and actually having our view challenged that you know one of the things that, that's really good and humbling about being a, in a church that that successfully holds together disagreement in, in areas like that is the humility 
that it should breed in you that you may not have got things entirely right because there's people that love Jesus and love his word who've come to different places. And that's a, it's good to then be thinking, okay, you know, I, I, I might need to think and look into this a little bit more myself or the manner in which I express my views on these subjects might need to be a little less strident because there are people who believe in Jesus who live want to live out his word who've landed differently um yeah mm, mm, that's good and another thought is perhaps i wonder if you know this idea of oh i'm just going to leave my church and go to another church down the road i wonder if it's almost like a, a bit of a modern luxury that for a lot of church history you might have just had one church that you went to and there wasn't really a another option and so if you had some disagreement or difficulty then you didn't have the option of five ten reasonable churches to look at um that were within uh within sort of commuting distance yeah yeah and i think we can you know the word luxury is the one that you know i live in a big city you could spend what do your students do it don't they every autumn you know weeks and weeks going around a whole range of good bible believing churches in in the city of bristol um trying to find the one that better and actually often say to students you just got to you recognize it's a luxury just plump for one and you know there are so many people in different parts of the world that would love there to be you know <laughs> just just a grateful for the one church in their local area mm-hmm. um and yeah that it, yeah remembering it's a luxury is a really helpful thing just to make us more grateful mm-hmm. and the whole sort of concept of commitment is somewhat countercultural these days so actually being committed to a a body of a local local body of believers um not necessarily for life but for a decent amount of time does allow you to get involved and you're not sort of sitting on the fence you're not thinking am i missing out by not going to that other church down the road that's you know people say exciting things about but just being committed is does us good i think so that's yeah yeah and particularly same-sex tracks people particularly single people uh, i was really struck in overhearing a friend actually recently at a conference give advice to you know the young single celibate gay christians you know how you know his big piece of advice of how you live life to the full as somebody who's single is stay somewhere you know join a church stay somewhere as long as you possibly can build relationships build a family life around that church you know have spiritual parents spiritual siblings spiritual children in a church community that's the way that you thrive as a single person and it was just quite interesting to hear him say that and say it really quite strongly because particularly amongst 20 somethings in the west today so many people move around every two or three years in their 20s doing different things getting more experience different job different education and he was just saying count to that stick find somewhere stick there stay invest in relationships build yourself a family don't move around all the time and you know that's both i think good theologically but also good so pastorally especially for those of us who are single for whatever reason mm-hmm. there's some wisdom there definitely so having said all those sort of introductory comments, um, what we're really considering today, I suppose, is uh, particularly where, you know, within the West, a, number, a lot of churches and denominations are departing from biblical orthodox teaching, particularly on sexuality. And 
what does it mean for someone who's been part of that church and now feels well this is this is such a departure from what the bible really says can i really stay in this church in all good conscience um if i stay is that going to undermine my faith does it signal perhaps a, a wider departure from the bible so i just wonder what what sort of principles you would offer to someone who is thinking should i stay and try to influence this for good or has it come to the point where essentially me and this church no longer believe the same things and i just need to to find a new home yeah oh <laughs> there's there are no easy answers because mm. it's I think let, let, there's an easy answer. So let me, I think that one of the, one of the things is probably it's more important that we think are things like your own personality, um, you know, your own conscience, your own circumstances. So, um, you know, if you're in the position to positively affect and change a local church or denomination that's going in the wrong direction at the moment, you know, part of it would say, if you, you know, circumstances give you the opportunity to do that. Stay. Don't give it up. Don't allow it to depart into um, or away from orthodoxy. Um, you know, if your conscience allows you to be part of a mixed denomination where there are people that believe different things to you, um, but you're able to do that without that sort of destroying your conscience in any way, you know, you might find that that's God calling you to stay. You know, personality-wise, if you are the sort of person that actually can be in a context in which people sharply disagree with you, you can be in a context in which people are living very different ways to you, and yet you st you can still remain, as it were, true to what the Bible teaches, true to your convictions. That might be a reason for staying. But if all those things are different, if actually, you know, circumstances are that you've got no influence or that you've got a really tender conscience or your personality is the sort of personality that's really easily influenced by people around you um away from god's words um you should probably you should probably be much quicker to leave does that if that makes sense it's actually mm. those sort of factors because the reality is and i'm a bit of a historian here so you're going to get a bit of church history the reality is that, for instance, the domination I'm part of, the Church of England, if you go back to the sort of 60s and 70s and you look at the you look at the bishops of the Church of England, there are a number of bishops in the Church of England who didn't believe the creed, couldn't say the Apostles' Creed. And at one level, um, a lack of creedal orthodoxy amongst your leaders would be the time to leave. But actually, a lot of people didn't leave. And... Um, one of the benefits of those people who didn't leave, people like John Stott and Co., is that now in 2020, there's a creedal orthodoxy in the Church of England. I can't think of a, a bishop in the Church of England that can't say the, the Apostles' Creed. Um, you, know, you know, they all mean it, which is great. Now, <laughs> of course, the whole sort of battleground has now changed. You know, go back to the 60s and 70s and said to the bishops of the Church of England, who's up here? Who's hit, who's in favour of same-sex marriage? I mean, they wouldn't even recognise the concept, whereas now go to the House of Bishops of the Church of England um, and there's a number of them that clearly want to move towards same-sex marriage. Um, and part of me wants to say to everybody, leave, this is a departure from orthodoxy. But history teaches me that some of those who stayed 
when there were bishops denying the Apostles' Creed, managed to turn things around. And so I don't you know, want to say to everybody, yeah, to the lifeboats, because in God's goodness and grace, it is possible for us within the Church of England, using that as just one example, because it's obviously a personal example for me, there is a possibility of us turning things around. So don't necessarily rush to the door um, because things have been grown in the past on different issues at different times. And a departure from orthodoxy by leaders doesn't necessarily mean that the institution you're part of should be completely and utterly binned and all orthodox Christians should walk away from it. That's really encouraging, isn't it, to look back and to see it's not just been a one-way thing, that things have looked bleak in the past, and and yet to remember that God is sovereign over the church, he can turn things around, and also when faithful people remain, uh, God can use them to, to keep that almost prophetic voice of reminding the church what the Bible says, what it used to believe, and and sometimes these storms can blow over and there can be a return to orthodoxy. Yeah, and then and then just to sort of add to the complexity, history also teaches us that those who stay can have a positive effect, but actually also some of those who leave can have a positive effect because the challenge of people leaving and setting up new vibrant churches often is a challenge to the denomination, the group they've left. I mean, Methodism teaches this, you know, the Wesley brothers leaving the Church of England or sort of slightly pushed out of the Church of England uh, had a massive effect on it because you suddenly had these vi- these new vibrant congregations that were much more successful at reaching out, particularly to working class people, particularly to parts of the UK that Anglicanism had often failed to reach. And they actually had long term a positive effect on the on the very church that they'd left. And so you could, in God's sovereignty and his plans and purposes, because he's ruling over all the mess at the moment, and he's going to build this church, so the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we might find that there are some of us that stay in part of a denomination like the Church of England, and it's our sort of, that has a positive effect on the Church of England. There's some of us that leave the Church of England, and that also has a positive effect on the Church of England and on other local churches too. So. You know, history teaches us that actually because God's sovereign and because he's got plans and purposes that even the mess of human affairs can't get in the way of, there's there's something in us that actually should be not relaxed about a denomination splitting up, not relaxed about local churches splitting up, because as we've already said, we've already acknowledged that is a painful thing. And Jesus prays for the unity of his church. But we should also not think this is a complete disaster. What's God going to do about this? How God's going to how is God going to use this? Because history teaches us that God has used, you know, the Anglican Methodist split to reinvigorate um, the Church of England and to reach people with the gospel. And that God has used people within the Church of England over the last 30, 40 years to bring us back to creedal orthodoxy. Mm, mm, I think that's good. And I suppose the times that we're going through are not times that you can just be a sleepy churchgoer. This, this is a wake up, isn't it? It's a wake up to decide what you believe, decide whether you're going to stay or going to go. And, and neither option is an easy option. If you're staying, then you're being that increasingly lonely voice calling back to orthodoxy. But if you're going, then like you say, you can be pioneering something new or bringing, you know, 
bringing something into different part of the UK church. They're both yeah. exciting opportunities. Yeah, and that's that's why I say, I suppose, yes, your personal circumstances, your conscience, your personality are going to be a real determining factor and something that you know, you'll be wanting to reflect on and talking about with friends because I can think of some people for whom staying you know, in the Church of England is not going to be wise. I can think of some people for whom staying in the Church of England might be wise. Mm. Uh, but it'd be more around those things that, than, than anything else. There's some reflection on, you, on your own sort of inner life around that, but also maybe a broadening of your own thinking. It's not just about me and where do I get the best spiritual nourishment, but it's thinking, what are the impact? What about the people, the other people in my church? Do I stay for their benefit? Where yeah. can I best be an influence for others for the benefit of, of other people? So going back to those things we were saying earlier, you know, we're inseparable really from our fellow brothers and sisters. Where can I best be um, a godly influence on the most people? Yeah, and that's and that's you know, again reflecting personally. I'm sorry to keep talking about the Church of England, but obviously it's my denomination. My life, in some ways, would be much easier if I just walked away from the Church of England at this point. It wouldn't affect my local church family. We're in an odd position of owning our own building. Of you know, we could walk away from the Church of England tomorrow. And and I've recently found myself thinking, do I really want to spend? You know, I'm in my mid forties now. I'm halfway through my working life and ministry. Do I really want to spend the next 25 years seeking to return the Church of England to orthodoxy when it comes to biblical sexual ethics? Wouldn't it be much nicer, easier, comfortable to walk away? Um, and yeah, just what you just what you're just saying now now is is, is the challenge for me that actually the thing that God might be asking me to do is to spend the next 20, 25 years fighting for orthodoxy within the Church of England in a way that is deeply uncomfortable. Uh, self-sacrificial not particularly joyful experience for me because we know that that's how God builds this there are some people who are just called to um contend for the gospel mm. and contend for a gospel in really difficult circumstances and who may not see the fruit of their contending and mm. again you know, church history is littered with stories of people who have just plugged away in a local church or a local denomination or a national denomination and never seen as it were the results of their labor, which have been felt in full by the next generation. Now I think of, you know, just thinking of local churches that I know that have been turned around where there was no gospel ministry and, and suddenly there's been a, a really great gospel ministry. Often when you look at the story, you find that there were, you know, two or three old people who for 20, 30 years, you know, we're praying for a really good gospel minister to come in. And, you know, and then one came in and they were called home to glory soon afterwards. They never saw the fruit of 20 or 30 years of just sitting in the pews, seeing a church decline, not hearing the gospel preached. But the result of their prayers, result of them not leaving that church, has been that there's now a flourishing gospel ministry. Hmm. But stories like that, that, yeah, just challenging to me when I want to go for the easy life. Yeah, yeah, very inspiring, um, but hard. Um, I guess if if a person stays, then it needs to be some. They need to kind of perhaps have put their views out there, depending on you know what air level of influence, like you said, they have within the church. I'm conscious, you know, for example, 
in Revelation 2, Jesus challenges the, the church in Thyatira to say, you know, you, you tolerate this woman Jezebel uh, who is teaching sexual immorality. So if we stay, we can't just, we, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be able to be accused of colluding with just drifting into liberal teaching. We, I suppose we need discernment, don't we, about how to sort of make it clear what we believe without being divisive, but on the other hand, not just letting it drift um, just for the sake of, well, I'm going to stay there for, I'm, I'm going to keep the peace and not say anything about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're a sort of conflict diverse person and you just want the quiet life, and uh, that might be a reason to go actually, because what you need to do if you stay is content and, and not do that in a sort of a contentious way to sort of play with that word a bit, but to contend in a gracious way uh, for the gospel and to show that you're not, as it were, just going with the flow, but you're wanting to, I think you used the phrase earlier, you're wanting to be a prophetic voice. You can only be a prophetic voice if you actually open your mouth sometimes and say, actually, you know, what we're teaching in this area of biblical sexual ethics is wrong and harmful for people. Um, and I don't agree with what the church leadership think in this area. And this will damage people. So you need to be the sort of person that is able to graciously um, speak up for the gospel and not go with the flow. And, you know, if you're just a go with the flow person, that's probably time to leave. If you actually can do that graciously, why not stay in content? Mm -hmm. And um, one of our members wrote their sort of experience of going to a, a church, it was a Church of England church, where the church leader had been clear that he held to an orthodox position on sexuality, but then later um, changed his mind. And it was quite a painful process for Chloe, who wrote this story and she ended up feeling that she needed to leave but in the process of leaving essentially wrote to the minister and warned him that he was leading people astray and made it clear she she tried not to do it in a um an unkind way but just a, a clear way this is why i'm leaving i'm not pretending yeah. that things are well and i need you to know this and i think she had you know fairly frank conversations with other people in the fellowship and that was painful but she felt in all due conscience she needed to explain the reasons for her departure and it, and it, you know and it it's so important to do that um for integrity's sake and we you know and, and to leave well which sounds exactly what chloe did to make it very clear why and to make sure that people know you know would seem to be a beautiful example of of the sort of speaking the truth in love that the Apostle Paul encourages us to do in Ephesians 4. Mm. I think, you know, if we do leave either a denomination or a local church, leaving well um, is so important. Um, yeah, and making it clear why you're leaving is so important so that you know, people know how, in particularly for those of us, you know, particularly when so often churches are changing their mind on sexual, sexual ethics because they're wanting to welcome more gay people in, the fact that actually them changing their sexual ethics might mean that gay people leave is something that's really important for people to hear. Um, really important for people to hear. Mm. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, that they, a church that thinks it's including more people by rejecting Jesus' teaching on sexual ethics needs to hear 
that actually rejecting Jesus' teaching on sexual ethics is going to exclude people. That was the great irony in her story is the minister said, well, I think we need to be a more inclusive church. I know. But in the process of doing this, Chloe felt she had no option but to leave the, the church and therefore she was excluded because of what she believed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important people hear that. And um, it's important that, and it's sorry, it's also important that people do hear that there, you know, there are, you know, I, I suppose have just generally been more positive about the case for staying. There are biblical cases for leaving. I was just flicking through one John just before um, we started recording and just seeing that, you know, the Apostle John gives some markers of authentic Christianity there. And, you know, if you're part of a church, where there's a denial of the deity of Christ, you're, it's, it's not a Christian church. You know, if you're a church that's full of hatred for other Christians, for other people, it's not a Christian church. Uh, and then this is where we suppose, you know, get nearest to the sort of things we're talking about. If, you, if you're part of a church that doesn't see obedience to God's words, God's will as important, well, you know, it, big questions are asked about whether it's a, actually genuinely a Christian church. And you know, that's just all looking at you know one john two and three there's just some clear markers of authentic christianity and it's really important for us to be aware that there are good reasons to you know to leave a church when some of those things show that you know it's not a it's not it's not a winnable situation when people are denying the deity of christ it's not a winnable situation when people are full of hatred of other people um it's not a winner, winnable solution situation when there's a total rejection of God's will and God's ways. Yeah, that's really helpful. And it might be helpful for people to sort of think, oh, you know, I really don't want to depart from this church. But actually, another way of looking at it is when the church leadership has so left behind biblical teaching, they're really the ones who've done the departing to the extent that is this really a Christian church anymore? And therefore, yeah, no, I, it's not like I'm departing from the church, but the church leadership has has taken the church away from orthodoxy to such an extent that I need to find a true fellowship once more. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm, we've got a church building in Bristol, which used to be a Unitarian church building. There were, you know, way back in the 1700s, they were Presbyterian. They became Unitarian. They denied the deity of Christ. Um, you know, that would be a point to leave the to leave that church if you were a Christian. Yeah. Um, praise God! It's now a church building that's used to um, worship the Trinity. Oh, thank God. Um, one one thing that I think is a possible issue for yeah it was for, for someone like Chloe probably um, whether you stay or or leave. I'm interested in kind of thinking about the heart matters. I, I think when this kind of thing happens, perhaps you've been part of a church for a long time and you feel very invested, but now you feel like, oh, I, the church leadership's really gone off the rails. I think for a lot of people, it's very difficult. There can be a lot of anger or or sadness or or even bitterness creep into the heart and thinking, I've you know, I've kind of joined this church on a, on false pretenses, or the leadership has has is ruining this church. And so, I suppose whether you stay or or leave, there may be some heart work to do, so that you don't you know, stay or leave with bitterness and resentment, so that your your continued presence or the or perhaps the way that you speak about the church that you used to be part of 
it's done in a in a godly way and not a resentful way yeah i i, I yeah i think all of that's important and it's it's trying to think isn't it if when somebody has got divorced everybody around them will recognize how painful that is the grief that they'll be going through the regrets they'll have the anger they might feel and how difficult it's going to be to ever get into a new relationship and how problematic that will be there is a power when you, you know if we're saying church is family and when you leave a church it's because there's a breakdown has happened a family breakdown has happened you know you'll be feeling grief and anger and um you'll be you know devastated it will take you know it won't be oh i found a new church and everything was right again it will massively affect your new relationship with your new church you know if you have in closed situation being badly let down by uh, a pastor who's changed his mind on you with with devastating consequences it's gonna be really hard to trust the leadership of your new church um and just recognizing that and allowing yourself the time to grieve and to heal and to join a new church and to explain what it's been like and what you've gone through so that they can help you is going to be really important so it's not just as it were leaving well but it's going to be joining well and say you need to know that i had to leave my last church because of this and this is what it's made me feel this is what i'm carrying into this new church context and i've certainly had you know in different contexts um as a pastor a number of people move you know to my church broken by the broken relationships from the last church and they've just needed time to heal time to recover we haven't sort of rushed them into sort of service because we've just recognized that you know they've been through something really traumatic and they need time to heal and recover yeah yeah that's helpful and i think every any sort of church move even if it's done um in good terms i mean i moved to church in 20 13 and largely for good reasons but it did in some ways it kind of set me back a little bit in terms of it was then a year or so to really get to know new people um there was a a need for people to get to know me and to trust me to get involved in serving so there is a cost in leaving not just in terms of um the upheaval the uprooting from the old church but also perhaps the putting things on hold in terms of your ability to serve and get involved and contribute in the new place. So that all takes, that all takes its toll. One thing that, I mean, we talked sort of generally about this or your, your typical churchgoer. I was just wondering if there's something, any specific principles we need to highlight for the person who themselves is same sex attracted and for whom the church leadership is, maybe teaching more revisionist teaching are there sort of different considerations for that person who might be more vulnerable to um temptation personally this isn't just a a theological position this really affects that person personally and they're perhaps then having a a person from the pulpit saying yeah it's okay to have a same-sex partner yeah i think i think again this is this is where it gets really personal for us isn't it in a sense of to know that i have the support of my local church family in living a single celibate life as a same-sex attractive believer and to know that they're just i have their 100 support because they know that's what what 
what God's word encourages me to do. That is such a gift. It's such a joy. And it means a lot. You know, it means that when I'm asking them for prayer, I know that they're going to pray for me. It means that I know that they're rooting for me when I find it hard. It means that when I'm doing stuff in public, speaking in public on this subject, that they've they've got my back. And if that changed, that would just be a really difficult place to be in, to know that actually, you know, I, I'm sharing sort of a prayer request to help against temptation. If they're thinking, well, actually, let's pray for him to find a nice man. You know, or um, yeah, they're sort of oh, so, you know we don't really we don't really like having a pastor who goes around the the country talking about how good Jesus' word on sexual ethics is. Yeah, you know, it's a bit embarrassing. I mean, that would those things would just have a massive impact on me and be such a discouragement. And I'm not sure, you know, it would be it would be doable to to know that my church family weren't with me on that and actually were. You know, even going as far as seeking to undermine that. And I certainly had, you know, friends who, you know, who have sought to undermine my commitment to God's word by suggesting they link me up with, you know, another gay man that they know who they think, oh, you make it really good. And that has, that's not being helpful. Mm-hmm. And to be in a church context, and this will be a particularly live one in the Church of England, where the thing that I really struggle to say no to sometimes is something that my church might seem blessed and say is approved of by God is going to make life difficult for me. Even, you know, even if I stay and graciously contend, it's going to be really difficult to know that actually I could, if I wanted to, you know, find a man, begin a relationship with him and have a same sex sexual relationship blessed by leaders in my church denomination that does inevitably even if i stay change the relationship and break down the trust i have in the leaders of that denomination mm-hmm. yeah one of our members um chap called jonathan he was in a he found himself in a church with a mixture of theology on sexuality and he he shared that it was really unhelpful for one of his fellow believers to undermine what the Bible says about sexuality. And he said, I knew a part of me would like to ignore the biblical teaching and just follow my feelings. What I needed was my brothers and sisters to encourage me on the narrow way. So when we're personally tempted in a certain area, we it's, it's wonderful to have that unity of our brothers and sisters behind us, urging and egging us on in the narrow way which isn't the easy way it's not the way that the culture points us to and if if we're looking around in our church and thinking well half the people are with us and half the people are are not it's pretty discouraging well yeah and let's take a you know provocative example um if i've got a you know if, if i've got a friend who i know is an alcoholic um you know attends aa meetings and i offer them a drink you know, knowing that he's an alcoholic and say, oh, come on, you know, only one won't do you any harm. People would be appalled by what I was doing and the damage that would do them. And it's not a perfect parallel, but to be in a situation where you are saying no to something in a costly way because you think it's bad for you and others, and then to have somebody saying, oh, you know, it'll be, you know, it'll be fine. Don't worry. You know, this is, this is not a bad thing after all. Is just a really horrible thing to do. Mm. Um, and it's not a perfect parallel, but there's 
there's something in that parallel to what it would feel like to be part of a church that said to me because my you know said to me despite my convictions um hey you must meet brian he's he's you'd be perfect you'd be a great couple yeah and i think often straight christians who want to kind of make the church really welcoming don't appreciate the impact that they're what they see is very kind of welcoming and liberal sort of thinking what effect that has on people who are personally struggling in this area for them often it's just oh you know i'm just trying to you know just trying to be all inclusive but actually it's sometimes it's really surprising to, to, to tell them actually this this is really discouraging when you blur the boundaries for us because we just really need to know that you're with us on it yeah, and so many churches are just not alive to the fact that every decision that you make as a church family, whether it's what time to meet on a Sunday, what hymns to sing, uh, where how to do your prayers, whether you use liturgy, whether you're not, what you're, it, all of those things will include and exclude people. And this whole idea that that you can just keep on making decisions that make you more and more inclusive is just it's just not true anyway. Mm. Every decision you make includes and excludes. And therefore, you need to think, well, then how do we make any decisions? That's when you want to say, well, we need to make decisions that are governed most of all by God's word and love for our neighbour and love for the Lord our God. Um, and actually have principles from out of ourselves that help us make these decisions mm. um, that almost inevitably exclude, include different people. Mm. Thanks very much, Ed. I mean, most of our conversation today has been around the consideration for the the individual where the church is departing um, from biblical orthodoxy. Um, I think within the Church of England, where, where you're based, there is this consideration of differentiation where some churches within the denomination can have different accommodation. Um, I wonder if just in a couple of minutes you could just explain what does that what does differentiation mean and yeah. why would people be pursuing that? Well, differentiation basically means being open and honest about the level of disagreement. And it's a way, you know, for instance, of signalling to people um, that in a Church of England context, it'd be a way of signalling that we don't think the same-sex sexual relationship should be blessed. And that if you are someone who is same-sex attracted, who agrees with what Christians have always believed on that subject, that same-sex sexual relationships are wrong, uh, there is part of the church that will be a safe space for you where you would be encouraged to do that, where you'll be taught that that is right. So it's a way of, at one level, just saying there are different parts of the church. And if you want to save space as somebody who believes in Christian sexual ethics, there is part of the church that's safe for you. And it's also taking seriously you know, Paul's teaching in you know 1 Corinthians uh, about the need to, out of love, the need to separate ourselves from people who are false teachers so that they receive a warning that they are departing from orthodoxy not so that you look good and they look bad but so that they realize that they need to repent and so that they come back to orthodoxy and you know there's bible teaching on on how we deal with false teaching that talks about a separation that is not a purity thing because we all know that we're sinners but instead actually it's a calling it's it's a discipline to call people back to return to the goodness of orthodoxy thank you very much that sounds like a 
quite a big i know it's a big area and uh one that the church of england is particularly looking into at the moment ed thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on this it's a complex area and um for many people who are thinking this through it's like we talked about it is very much a wisdom issue and uh, one to probably take wise counsel on and to think like you say about your own personality your own level of influence in the church could you stay well and if you um decide to leave how can you leave well um definitely one to to seek god's wisdom in so thank you so much for um joining me today and i hope you and the church of england um receive much wisdom in this matter we certainly need it so yeah i pray prayer is the big thing we haven't talked about isn't it do you pray for us let's all of these things need to be soaked in prayer too mm. thank you thanks for your time Ed. lovely to speak to you i to speak to you too thanks to ed for sharing his wisdom on these matters on our website at truefreedomtrust.co.uk you can find further testimonies articles and reviews and you can sign up to receive our ascend magazine You've been listening to the Ascend Higher podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.